The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and welcome to... National Disability Employment Awareness Month, and how appropriate is it that this show is live in Washington, D.C. from CSC? I'm saying appropriate because here's a company that gets it that employs people with disabilities and doesn't just talk about it. And I know you're going to hear from our guest today how important that part is. Our guest is a superstar in the disability world. We love her. We think the world of her. And that is, I want to tell you why before I introduce her. You know how you hear people talk about all these things? Oh, yeah, they're going to try to help us. Oh, yeah, they're going to be out there. She is doing it now. She is the real deal. She is genuine. And it is all of our honor in the whole disability world that we have the Vice Chair of EEOC and confirmed Deputy Director of the Office of Personnel Management, Ms. Christine Griffin, as our guest today. Chris, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Joyce. Thanks for, the, thanks for that nice introduction. Yes, well, it's the truth. And, you know, it's so wonderful to have a leader that can make a difference, and I know you will. So, first of all, congratulations on this great new position at OPM. I'm sure you're extremely excited and I thought maybe we could start by you taking a minute to explain to everyone. Now, right now, you're the vice chair of EEOC. Right. But you are confirmed as the deputy director of OPM. What is OPM? What, what is that? OPM, um, the, uh, right now, the current federal government civilian workforce is approximately 1.8 million employees. Then that doesn't count the post office. So you include the postal workers, it's close to 2.6 million. And the Office of Personnel Management is the president's agent and advisor for the government's human resources management systems. So our key responsibility at OPM is to ensure that these systems support agencies, all the federal agencies, in the recruiting, hire, and retaining um, a diverse workforce necessary to meet the needs of the American people. And we do that in a variety of ways, uh, as well as the these systems that we talk about include the health benefit system, the retirement system, um, as well as the, the pay and, and leave systems uh, that you would find in any big human resource department. Well, I am sure you're really excited to be working with Director John Barry. Uh, I had the great pleasure of meeting him at the Tony Quello Breakfast where Senator Durbin received that prestigious mm-hmm. award, and you were there also. And although I know that, uh, of course, you know, he is going to represent many communities in the diverse world from the gay community, the Latino community, the African American community, the Asian community, Native American, but he also told me that morning that he is committed 
to the disability community. Um, so, first of all, how excited are you to be working with him? I am very excited. There isn't anyone else I would rather be working with uh, and for than John Berry. John Berry, as you say, is the real deal. He gets all of this. He understands how important that our workforce reflects the American society, and that includes people with disabilities. So I'm very excited to be going over to work with him. Well, I have a question for you here hmm. now. Commissioner Griffin, you did the lead initiative, um, and right now you know the rate of employment or percentage of people employed is very terrible in the federal agency. As a matter of fact, none of them really have stood up, um, well, other than one, and I know you can talk about that because you know who I mean. Yeah. But um, what message are you going to be sending to these federal agencies in this area? I think that the big message that they need to get right now is that they have to have a diverse workforce, and that includes people with severe disabilities. The numbers are terrible. We've been talking about this for years, sort of beating the drum and letting everyone know that, you know, there's a change coming, and, and I think the change is here. I think we have administration that really cares about this issue and has certainly demonstrated that by putting out the proclamation that that they put out on disability employment awareness as well as some initiatives that the agencies will be doing throughout the next few months. So I think the, the time has come and the message is clear and should be clear to all agencies that they have to do a better job of employing Americans with disabilities, especially those with severe or what we call targeted disabilities. And to that note, what do you think about the National Security Agency? Oh, well, you know, I always, I, I talk about the National Security Agency a lot in various places uh, where I give speeches about this issue because here is an agency that, you know, that arguably because they're, you know, in the intelligence community and, and um, you know, probably don't get a lot of scrutiny with regards to who's working there because a lot of it is, is somewhat secret, the work that they do. They've made an extra effort to ensure that they hire a lot of people with disabilities. And I think what they've learned over time and what every agency should learn is that when it comes to hiring a qualified person, all you should care about is whether they're qualified and whether they have the skills and the talent and the experience that you need to do the job that you're hiring for. And it should not matter what package that person comes in. I think we've learned this to some degree, although we have to do a better job when it comes to race, race and ethnicity, but we certainly have not learned it when it comes to people with disabilities, and the NSA has. NSA finds people who have severe disabilities and and also happen to have the qualifications that they need, and the disability does not get in the way. I think they also know that technology can actually go a long way towards leveling the 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 playing fields for people with severe disabilities. So, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's blind or deaf or, or is a quadriplegic, they know that they can provide them with the technology they need to do their job and that as long as they have the skills and the education and experience they need, that's all that really matters. Well, they are champions because they're doing it. That's, yeah. That is yep. what I have to say. And, you know, the one point you made, 
Boy, it would be so easy for them to say they can't do it. I can think of a million reasons why they can't do it. Yeah. So, you know, they are doing it. And as uh, former United States Attorney General Dick Thornburg said when he spoke at the New York Law School, the Tony Fellow Lecture Series, he said, hey, if the NSA is hiring people with disabilities, what's your excuse? And I always say, you know, they work with many, 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 many people. Um, I am just honored, you know, to know them and be involved. But I want to tell you something. Think about what they're doing. Americans with disabilities protecting our country. That's right. It just doesn't get better than that. Oh, it well, doesn't. well, Commissioner Griffin, this is going to probably be hard for you leaving all your friends and colleagues at EEOC. How how do you think your tenure there has prepared you for this new position? Well, I think during the past three and a half years that I've been here, I've truly come to understand how important our federal workforce is to the security, health, and well-being of this nation. And I know that our uh, mission over at OPM is to ensure that the federal government has an effective civilian workforce. And I've had an opportunity to look at the data uh uh, and the makeup of that workforce because we collect all that data here at at the EEOC. And a lot of the work that we do here promoting the diversity of the federal workforce within the federal government really lends itself to what I'll be doing over there, which is focusing on the diversity of the of the federal workforce from the OPM point of view. And I'm really looking forward to, although I will miss people here, I'm we're already having discussions and, and even a meeting later this week between folks here at EEOC and OPM to find ways that we could both agencies can work together to advance the diversity of the of the federal workforce. So I think that it's it's everything that I've done here is has truly prepared me to go over there and truly helped me understand what I need to understand to uh, do the job over there at OPM. And you were nominated for your position at uh, the EOC. You were nominated by the late Senator Ted Kennedy. Yes, um, he had he had everything to do with me being here. He was very supportive and, and uh, supported my uh, nomination to the to the White House at the time. And I thought maybe before we go to break, did you just want to make a comment about how much do you, I don't think people realize this, what he did for the disability community. Oh, there, you know, I've, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. There isn't a person or a, or a, there isn't a person in this country that isn't number one touched by somebody within their family or, their relatives that has a disability, and there isn't a person in this country that hasn't been impacted by legislation that he either introduced or uh, supported with regards to people with disabilities. Uh, he, he had everything to do with everything that's happened around, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act Amendment Act, um, you know the Rehab Act to begin with, the uh, the you know any type of health care legislation. He's been behind all of that, and that's had a huge impact on people with disabilities in this country. It has because all I know is any time I ever went to any events ever, 
you know, like a gala or some big event uh, with the disability community, he was there. And, and, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, he was always there. And the other thing is that, you know, he always was there for people with disabilities. Anytime something happened, people would say, oh, call Senator Kennedy, you know, call him. You know, he'll take care of us. He'll help us. Yeah. He really did. And he and his family really understood this issue. They had, he had a sibling who had a disability. He had two, you know, kids who, who talked about it at his funeral about their disability. Ted Jr. had cancer and had his leg amputated when he was a teenager. And Patrick talked about having, you know, severe asthma attacks as a young child. He, he understood all of this. He understood what American families went through. And it wasn't lost on him that he had, you know, some level of privilege and means that other people didn't have, and he understood that it was, you know, these situations made it very difficult for families in America. And I have no doubt in my mind that uh, Ted and Patrick will continue on leading the way, helping all of us and helping people with disabilities. Uh, as a matter of fact, they already have, of course, Congressman. Yep. Kennedy already has, and Ted mm-hmm. Kennedy Jr. already has, with his incredible work with the American uh, Association of People with Disabilities, AAPD. Right. Uh, but anyway, listen, we've got, we need to go to break, and then we'll be right back. But if you just tuned in right now, we have a great guest today. We have Commissioner Christine Griffin, Vice Chair Christine Griffin, at EEOC, soon to be the Deputy Director at OPM. We'll be right back. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every single day. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice, what if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. If you can't put down a good mystery novel, you'll want to check out Mystery Matters with Fran Stewart. Each week, you'll hear from the top mystery writers of our time. From suspense thrillers to forensics, you'll explore all of the categories that make a great mystery work. Not only will we discuss the secrets of the story, but we'll go behind the novel to sort out all of the pieces of the puzzle. Broadcast live each Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Mystery Matters, where murder is an open book. An ordinary sunny day. An ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids. And they were doing nothing. They were couch slouching. They were rug imitating. And lazy minute after... Lazy minute was passing them by. When suddenly... 
Huh? Hey, guys, that's a personal foul. An active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Players don't get lazy penalties. Let's play. Those kids, they listened to Reggie. They got up and play they did. There was fun and running. There were smiles and jumping. And laziness was crushed. Hey, kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Kids, listen to Reggie and avoid lazy penalties. Be a player. Get up and play for an hour a day. Go online to check out smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player, too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Be a player. Hi, I'm Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. First of all, thank you. I want to thank all of you great listeners. You are great you really are. Thank you for following the show and helping me as we're trying to change quality of life for people with disabilities, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm on a crusade for employment, and that is why this month is so important to me, National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And I mean, we have had lot stars, Teddy Quello, Kareem Dale, and now to have Vice Chair of EEOC, Commissioner Christine Griffin, soon to be Deputy Director at OPM, but the person known for what she did for us with that lead initiative, it is so great to have you on. And something I talk about is a quote I heard from you, and I always give you credit for this, Commissioner Griffin, which is, awareness is about employment. I wonder if you might talk about that for a few minutes, because I know of all people, you are most in demand as the October speaker. You could be like Miss October, how that is in baseball. You are, yeah, yeah. You are Miss October. But uh, can you tell everyone what you mean when you say awareness is employment? I do. I will tell you. I, I This whole issue about Employment Awareness Month really sort of bugs me because um, it, we talk about awareness and when it comes to disability awareness in this country, we've been talking about it and funding programs and discussing awareness for, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, and yet we still see that people with disabilities are not getting jobs. So how aware are we? I really believe, I've come to believe, that awareness happens on the job. That's when other people become aware that you are a human being no matter what your disability and that you want the same things as everybody else. The awareness happens on the job. So I really I really would like us to stop holding these events and trotting out someone like me with a disability to discuss awareness and 
and instead invest our energies in actually learning about how we can actually recruit, hire, and retain people with disabilities in the federal government. I think that would be a better use of our time because, again, awareness happens on the job. When employment takes place, that's when the awareness takes place. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I thought, okay, here are a few suggestions. We could either change it to National Employment Month, but then I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, next year, the 20th anniversary of the Ameri- signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, yet 60% of Americans with significant disabilities are not part That's right. of the workforce. So I was thinking, why don't we try to get some proclamation that next year can be National Disability Employment Year? Yeah, I, that would be that? absolutely great. I would I would support that wholeheartedly. I'd like to take the word awareness out of there. We certainly haven't become aware, and the whole just events to talk about it has not resulted in anything positive. And it is so important when you think about how people with disabilities are left out of this country um, in all aspects of social and economic um, status because they cannot get jobs. It's really a sin. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but it's not just about net worth, although that's truly important. I think you're the one that always says you can't be free in this country until you have a job and a paycheck. But it's about self-worth, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of our self-worth in this country is wrapped up in what we do for a living and the work that we do. So it's really, you know, social as well as economic and and, you know, a lot of people with disabilities have been left out of that their whole lives. Yes, and I want to just extend, by the way, a special greetings to Yoshiko Dart, who is always following this show. And I just want to say, Yoshiko, I just want you to know that Justin, we never forget Justin. No. Justin Justin Dart, his spirit, we never forget it. I always tell Yoshiko, I believe, that Justin is with me. Uh, as everyone knows that listens to this show, I'm a woman with epilepsy, but I'm a woman who owns a company where I employ people with disabilities. And I'm going to tell you right now, you need to start hiring people and stop talking about it. Exactly. That's what you need to do. We don't want pity. We want paychecks. We don't want posters. We want to open the door and go to work. That's what we want. We want a job. You know, telling us that we're so nice isn't going to help us. We want to work. Because, as you just stated, and it's true, you cannot be free in this country until you have employment. Why? You can't live that American dream, can't go on vacation, can't buy a house, can't do everything that you hear everyone talk about. You know, come on, next year, 20th anniversary, we've got to get it going. We've really got to get this going. And if you don't mind, I wanted to ask you uh, to talk about the present employment rate of people with targeted disabilities in the federal government right now? Well, the the current employment rate is 0.88%. So, and in this... Hold on, stop right there. Would you mind repeating that, please? Yes. 0.88% of the federal workforce of people with severe disabilities. And that translates to about 20, not even 24,000 people out of a total of uh, almost 2.7. So counting the postal employees along with the 1.8 million that that I discussed earlier that OPM oversees, we have uh, arguably 2.7 million employees in this country and 
less than 24,000 are people with severe disabilities. That is shameful. It is shameful. That is shameful. I mean, come on. You know, I don't know. Did everyone forget that one of the greatest presidents of all time was in a wheelchair? I know. I know. When you think about that, uh, sometimes the best person for for a job is a person with a disability, and, and President Roosevelt certainly exemplified that. That's right. And, you know, we've got, to, we've got to just stop talking about it. May I ask you, because we're on Twitter, and here is your question, and it is, first of all, I want to congratulate you on this wonderful news that you will be the number two person at the Office of Personnel Management, and I want you to know that we believe that whether you're in the deaf community or any community, that we now have someone that will be out there fighting for us. My question from Linda is, why do you think people do not want to hire people with disabilities? Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's because people think somehow we're less qualified. We're less qualified, and I think every racial and ethnic minority in this country has experienced the same thing that when you're trying to break through these barriers into uh, employment, there is some sense that somehow you're less qualified. I also think that there are other other fears, myths, and stereotypes about people with disabilities that, you know, somehow you'll cost money. Somehow you'll raise insurance rates. Somehow you'll... You know, you won't be as reliable, you won't be on time, you won't be, you'll be out more than other people. I think that that there's all of these sort of things swirling around in people's heads that prevent them from actually hiring people with disabilities. When, frankly, we have certainly a lot of documentation that proves just the opposite to every one of the statements I made. And nobody is talking about hiring people that aren't qualified for a job. We're talking about hiring people that have the skills and the experience that you require, that an employer requires. So it's a variety of things that permeate all of society when it comes to people with disabilities. And we really have to change that. But I believe we won't change it until we have a good number of people, a critical mass of people with disabilities in the workforce. And it needs to start with the federal workforce. Yes, that's right. I, and you, you notice what she said, a mass. In other words, you're not doing it if you just say, I'm going to hire one person. No. Okay, this would be like saying, you're, here you are, you have 40,000 employees, and you say, that's it now, come on, we can at least hire two white men. I don't think that would be said. So no. I'm saying you got to get out there, you've got to make a commitment, you've got to hire a mass of people. You'll never see a change if you have one person in one right. remote spot somewhere. What's that going to do? Right. See, to right. me, that is really just, I hate to say it, but that is the token hire. We really right. need it to be part of recruitment. Yeah. That's what's different when it's part of your strategy. And I have no doubt that with this woman, Vice Chair Commissioner Christine Griffin, soon to be Deputy Director at OPM. Everybody, get ready. Wake up. Wake up. She's going to wake you up. I'll tell you that now. And with that, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, wow, you better go back and listen to the show again so you can hear Chris Griffin talk about what she's going to do 
to help change the employment scenario for people with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where I say we're not free till we're employed. We'll be right back. Don't go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. Hey, our guest today, as we are celebrating what we want, which is employment, is Vice Chair of EEOC Commissioner Christine Griffin, soon to be Deputy Director at OPM. And what a great day that will be. I want to ask you a question. No one seems to remember rehab, the Rehab Act, the 503 Rehab Act. Why is that? You know, I wonder if you could talk about it and then tell me, do you think finally this will be enforced? 503. Well, 503 of the Rehab Act, we don't enforce that. The Office of Federal Contracting and Compliance of the Department of Labor actually um, enforced Section 503 of the Rehab Act. But what it says is that, it, the section prohibits discrimination 
and requires contractors that that accept contracts in excess of $10,000 of federal money to take, so that's a lot of people, a lot of companies, to take affirmative action to hire, retain, and promote qualified individuals with disabilities. And they must include a specific equal employment opportunity um, provision for anyone that they subcontract with with that money. Now that's that's pretty specific and pretty um, pretty broad, and certainly covers. I, I can't even imagine how many companies this would cover in the United States of America. When you look at who takes more than ten thousand dollars, and who do they subcontract with? Uh, that's a lot of a lot of companies. Wow, a lot that of is organizations. so many companies. It would be mind-boggling. It would be mind-boggling, to say the least. Now, I would venture to say that if every single one of them went out and hired one person with a disability that accepts that federal money, that would have a lot more uh, employment in this country of people with disabilities. And yet, what has happened over time is that this has been an area that has not been enforced by the Department of Labor. And I am truly um, confident that... There's a new day in America here under this administration. Uh, a woman named Pat Shu, who came from the Employment Law Center in California, is beginning uh, her work as director. I think she began last week or the week before over at the Department of Labor, and this is one of the issues that she's going to be looking at very carefully. And I'm very excited about that because I think that will truly uh, be a, a, a nice companion component to the work that we're going to try and do in the federal government. Oh, because I'm telling you, it's as if people don't even know that exists. I know. Well, it, it's it's operated like it hasn't existed. And we're talking about, folks, the Rehab Act of 1973. In 1973, this law was passed, and it hasn't changed with regard to um, this particular uh this particular provision on on uh, employment discrimination, and yet um, we continue to find that uh, this nothing's been done. Uh, federal contractors they have all sorts of, of uh, requirements under this particular law and this particular section, and there are regulations that they have to adhere to. And and I don't think anyone's actually been very interested in enforcing this, and I'm truly, truly hopeful that this will be changing. I, and I, too, believe it will be. I believe there are going to be great and wonderful changes, and I do know, uh, President Obama, that you are committed to the uh, disability community and to helping us move forward, and I just believe you will see change. Since you mentioned the Department of Labor, uh, it is... Next week, I believe our guest is the Assistant Secretary of the of Office of Disability Employment Policy, Ms. Kathy Martinez, oh, and great. I just want to say she is also going to be a person that is going to work very closely with Chris to enact change. Don't you believe yeah. that? 
Yeah, Kathy is absolutely great. For folks that don't know it, Kathy is committed to this issue. She's a woman with a disability herself, and we've all already had several meetings uh, about how we're going to collaborate on a variety of things, one of which was announced last week by the president, um, the Office of Personnel Management, and Kathy's uh, Kathy's agency, the Office of Disability Employment Policy over at the Department of Labor, are going to be partners in putting on a job fair for people with disabilities in in the you know, for the federal government and it will be held here in, in Washington DC sometime in early spring. So we're just starting to plan that and I think that's very exciting. We're hoping that we'll be able to have agencies come with openings and to be able to conduct interviews on the spot with folks that are pre-registered. So everyone should look for more information on that. We really don't have the details yet. We've just begun our discussions, but uh, we will be partnering on that. She's amazing, and, and I, I'm sure you'll have a great show with her next week. Oh, yes, and she is she is here for change. So I really think you are going to see uh, you know, two women here just two of the many people that you're going to see help create change. And I have to tell you something, Commissioner, uh-huh. that you are being looked up to as our hope for employment. I cannot begin to tell you how often I go to events and people will say, well, you know, you're going to see things change because we're going to have, we're going to have Chris Griffin over there at uh, OPM. I mean, I hear this all the time. Uh, actually, I heard someone say we're counting on her. I just wondered how, how does that make you feel? It, it actually makes me it makes me feel good. Um, it is certainly an awesome uh, responsibility, and I mean that uh, not in the way a, a teenager would mean that word, but it is awesome uh, because of the responsibility that comes with that. But at the same time, I really, really. I'm truly honored to be able to be a part of anything that that results in employment of people with disabilities in this country. Oh, I know you are. I know you mean that. And and I I know that you're serious about it. What I told you all at the beginning, listen, she lives this 24 by 7. She thinks about this. She talks about it constantly. This is on her mind every minute, and I know she is going to make a difference. And actually, that is one of our questions from a Frank in Cincinnati. And even though Frank's from Cincinnati and I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, we'll ask the question, and it is this. It is, Commissioner Griffith, could you tell us if we have any suggestions of anything we can do to help in the area of employment in the United States, how could we get that information to you at OPM? Well, I think um, one of the things that we're going to have to do is really take a look at at our hiring and recruiting strategies at OPM and at all the federal agencies on how to how to reach people with disabilities. So that is is one of the things that we need to focus on. What are the best strategies for doing that? Because traditional strategies haven't worked. Uh, a lot of agencies just post a job on USA Jobs, uh, which is OPM's uh, website for, for posting jobs. And I think that we find 
that a lot of people, you know, with disabilities have great difficulty applying. Well, frankly, I think it's difficult for anyone to use that system, never mind just people with disabilities. And the federal government has not been a good and welcoming place for those people with disabilities that have been trying to apply for jobs. It's very frustrating. No one gets back to you. No one seems to understand that there is an opportunity to use a hiring waiver called Schedule A. And so when people with disabilities try and invoke that and, and say they want to be considered, under that waiver, um, some agencies don't really know what that is and, frankly, don't even get back to people. So we need to find uh, uh, the best strategy for reaching people with disabilities to tell them about opportunities that are available within the federal government. We well, you know what? i got to tell you one thing. I know that we have, I think, a caller or two on the line right now. Now, just hold on a minute because... Okay. We have Sandy. Sandy, are you on? Yes, I am. Oh, Sandy Finucane from the Epilepsy Foundation. Go ahead, Sandy. Oh, hi, Sandy. Hi, Commissioner Griffin. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Um, I'm, I'm glad, um, Commissioner, that I heard you talking about the Schedule A because I've been getting a lot of questions from people first about um, where does one go to find the Schedule A application for the accepted position, and then mm -hmm. once you have it, what do you do with it? I'm wondering if, I know you're not yet at OPM, but if you have any guidance that you can give people. Sure. There's, it's not exactly a, an application in and of itself. Schedule A is actually a tool, a hiring waiver that people with disabilities can uh, use to get into the federal government, and frankly, more importantly, federal agencies can use to get people with disabilities into the federal government very quickly. So how it should operate is that an agency decides they want to increase employment of people with disabilities in their agency. They don't even have to post a job in the traditional sense. They can go to a variety of sources, um, whether it's folk rehab agencies, whether it's Joyce Bender, whether it's placement. Uh, um, uh, uh, placement or disability student services at a at a university or college and actually say we're specifically recruiting people with disabilities for this particular job. These are the skills that we need. And then once they have people with disabilities that apply that qualify for Schedule A, and to qualify the terminologies, they have to have a severe physical or psychiatric disability. That's it. And, so, uh, and and that's actually where I think the question was. Do they have to get a certificate from a doctor? Well, that's, that, yes. Mm -hmm. There has to be some proof that you have that disability in order to qualify for the Schedule A waiver. And you can get a letter from your doctor saying, you know, for instance, I would get a doctor's letter saying Christine Griffin is a paraplegic and she's, um, you know, ready or qualified to work. Okay. And right. that's it. That's all you really okay. need. So and you don't need to go through a big process. You just nope. really need the letter. Nope. Okay, that's nope. where I think it's not a big process. And, the, and I think the biggest problem is that federal agencies, a lot of them, don't know how to use it appropriately, and so they may require more onerous um, documentation from people, and they really shouldn't. It should be as simple as you have a disability. It's documented and. Your resume can serve as, as proof that you're ready to go to work. Agencies can just interview you and offer you the position, and it really can be very, done very quickly. Right. But when I get over to OPM, I'm really hoping that we can do more to clarify that, that we can have 
better information on the website regarding that, and that we actually have a mechanism on all jobs that are posted on that website that indicate that you can check off whether you want to be uh, considered under Schedule A or not and what that actually means. Uh, but I'm really hoping that federal agencies that want to do a much better job of hiring people with disabilities will actually learn how to use this effectively and they won't even post the job, that they will search for a person with a disability before they actually go through the competitive process. Well, that would be That's great. my hope. <laughs> um, do, do you have the time to take another question or we do have a lineup? I know other callers. Go ahead. You can take one more. Sure. Um, so my other question was I was at a um, a – public session last week made up of state and local government representatives, providers of services, um, you know, contractors to the government, and we were talking about the ADA Amendments Act, and people were asking questions, um, and one of them was that, and, and I hear this increasingly, so I, I was interested in your input on this, um, uh, given your future role in OPM. Um, that is that the 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 contractor said, well, we have a mandatory nine to five policy, and it's a business necessity, and there's nobody there to supervise you before eight thirty or after five or something like that. But basically, she was saying that there's some people come and they want to have a slightly modified schedule, and we can't do that. Um, now, um, Chris Kaczynski was there speaking on behalf of the EOC and answering questions. And he was had very. I mean, he answered and encouraged them to try and be accommodating and flexible on that, you know, without knowing what the details of the request were. Right. But it really led to the bigger question of, I mean, isn't the federal government the the employee employer that's supposed to be doing flexible schedules, telework? Where are we on that type of thing, and yeah. what type of leadership do you foresee from the government on those types of things? I think there's great leadership over at OPM on these very issues right now. Director Berry has talked about this a lot, about the need to be flexible for all employees because it, it, it allows us to recruit, hire, and retain uh, from a variety of sources uh, when, when we are more flexible as an employer. So... I, I'm hoping this wasn't a federal agency that said that, because I, I don't can't, think so. I, 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 was could, say, I, I can't even imagine a, a federal agency. agency at this point in time, given that we already have a variety of flexibilities in place. But as far as the federal government is concerned, there, there is going to be there already is a lot of flexibility, but there's going to be even more. This is a really important um, aspect, the work-life balance and the flexibility, and the flexibility for employees with disabilities is something that I know John Berry cares a lot about and has talked a lot about already. Great. Well, we will be and teleworking. Teleworking is a big aspect. Yeah. Very important to have your leadership on these issues. Well, thank you, Sandy. Hey, and, Sandy, we yeah. are thrilled at the Epilepsy Foundation to have your leadership, you are our civil rights star. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, we actually, the ADA Amendments Act, a, a lot of, of, of the great um, information that ended up in that statute we owe to Sandy. And, that is and, right. Yeah. You're the best, Sandy. I think Take we care, have, uh, I know we don't yeah. have a lot of time, but I think we have another caller on the line. Joyce? Yes. 
This is Ron Painter, the CEO for the National Association of Workforce Boards here in D.C. Hey, Ron, how are you? I'm doing great. A personal hello to you. Uh, yes, and, he said a personal uh, hello to me because he, uh, he better still have his black and gold stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he left Pittsburgh and went down there to D.C., so we better not hear you're at one of those uh, games down there, Ron. I have announced that I am not available to ring the bell for the Capitals. <laughs> Oh, uh, very good, Ron. <laughs> I don't know if that makes a, a difference, Commissioner, uh, but uh, I... Well, I'm a little I'm a little dismayed after this weekend. It was a sad day in, in Beantown uh, yes. this, this past Sunday, so with the Red Sox and the Patriots losing, so... Yeah, it was not a, not a great weekend uh, no. in, in Boston, but I wanted to, to just uh, call in and, and, first of all, congratulate you... Um, on your appointment as the deputy secretary, your confirmation for for OPM. Well, thanks, Ron. NAWB represents the 575 workforce boards across the country, mm-hmm. and we are deeply involved with the 2,800 one stops. Right. So I, I wanted to say congratulations and wanted to offer you my help and my assistance in in working with OPM and working on this issue of. Uh, individuals with disability, getting them into the workplace. Joyce is a longtime friend, a former board member of mine back in Pittsburgh. So um, anything I can do to help you get the messages out and to help OPM in in the recruitment and work with our system, uh, I I am more than happy to do that, and I look forward to working with you and uh, over at OPM. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. I'm really glad you called because I think that's really important. I don't think enough people in this country know about uh, the workforce boards. I don't think the federal agencies know a lot about it, and I don't think that we traditionally think of and talk about uh, talk enough about that this is a vehicle for recruiting uh, people with disabilities into the workforce. So I'm really glad you called. It's, it's reminded it is, it? me that you're out there, too. Well, and I think, um, you know, through Joyce and through others um, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, John Tag and company, I mean, we had a, a strong voice for persons with disability at the board meetings, participating in, in the discussions about how do we use uh, the Workforce Investment Act funds, how do we use other funds in, in the community, and I know that their presence, their voices on boards in board meetings makes a difference, um, that, it, that it is a consideration. So, um, uh, you know, I encourage that, and, and again, I uh, hope that we get an opportunity to meet soon and, and uh, do some work with uh, OPM. Right, and great. I will just Thank tell you, you, it is, was a loss to Pittsburgh when we lost Ron Painter. He is a wonderful person. What he's saying is true. One of the few that made an effort to make sure disability was constantly part of the agenda and really just a wonderful human being. So um, I know. I know that they're lucky to have you, and I know you'll do a great job down there, Ron. Well, thanks. And, Joyce, I look uh, forward to catching up with you March uh, in March at the uh, NAWB Forum. All right, Ron. All right, thanks. Thanks for Go calling on. in, Ron. All right, take care. Um, and, you know, that is important for everyone to get involved, everyone, because obviously we can't do it alone. Right. Hey, I want to ask you a question before we get toward the end of the show, and that is I wonder if you have a message for young people with disabilities seeking employment who are constantly, constantly 
having obstacles to their employment. You know, do you have any advice mm-hmm. for that? I would I would say to all young people with disabilities, number one, don't listen to anybody who's telling you you can't work. Don't listen, you know, if it's your parents who are afraid because of the barriers you'll encounter and, and the problems you'll encounter, whether it's teachers, whether it's the medical community, don't take no for an answer. Uh, there are so few people that cannot work in this country and contribute in some way that it's it, it, we should never be telling anybody that they can't do um, what they want to do. So don't take no for an answer. Don't give up. And try at the earliest age you can to begin networking with folks and telling people that you want to work and, and articulating what you want to do with your life, whether they look at you as if, you know, you can't do it, or if they tell you you can't do it, it should not matter. You just keep plugging away and don't take no for an answer. That's right. That's right. Don't give up and don't take no for an answer. And, you know, I even hate to say that, but, you know, no matter who it is, don't take no for an answer. If I wanted to ask you, I mean, now, look, you've done so much in your life. I can't even imagine what this answer is going to be, but I've asked everyone on the show this question, so here it is. What would you say is your proudest accomplishment at this time of your life? Wow, my proudest accomplishment. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that it's in the future. And that, and I really am. I'm hoping that my proudest accomplishment will will be me seeing the numbers of people with severe disabilities increase in, yeah. in employment opportunities in that the federal government. That is a government. great answer. That um, will be your proudest accomplishment. That will be. That and, will and be. And I'm really hopeful that that's going to happen, that I'm going to see that happen. So that will be my proudest accomplishment. Oh, and won't that be wonderful to look back at that? Won't that be? And anyone listening, especially if you work for the government, hey, come on, folks. we got to do this together. The time is now. We can't wait any longer. You know, you've got a great leader here, but we've all got to get behind her and support her 100%. And remember that, everyone listening, you know, we don't have time for territorial bickering or getting upset about stupid things. we got to be together. We've got to make it happen. I wanted to ask you if you had one message to leave with our listeners today, what would that be? I would I would like to say that, you know, the work of the federal government has never been more challenging than it is today. And and one of the greatest challenges that, that we have is is in the federal government is to increase the diversity of our workforce at all levels. From, you know, getting in the door all the way up to the senior executive service. And I would I would like to to all listeners to understand that there is absolutely no reason why people with disabilities in this country can't be a part of that that challenge to increase the diversity of our workforce at all levels. There is no reason why we can't look at this multifaceted talent pool of people that we have in this country and say that that pool includes people with disabilities. That's right. That's right. Because uh, why not remember you are the temporarily able-bodied. At any time in your life, if you don't have a disability now, you could 
become a person with a disability. This is for all of us. So when you're looking at that person sitting across from you and you're thinking, I don't know if I want to hire them because they're in a chair or because they have epilepsy or because they're blind or because they're deaf, again, what if that would be you? That is what you have to remember. That could be you. I want to say in closing, in behalf of all people with epilepsy, uh, because I'm the chair of the board of the Epilepsy Foundation, how thrilled we all are to have you moving into this role. Uh, Commissioner Griffin, we are so proud of you. And in behalf of all people with disabilities and as an officer at AAPD, we are proud of you, uh, and we know you're going to do a great job. Well, thank you very much. I really look forward to working with everyone, and um, I'm very excited about the future. I really am. I, I really believe that we're going to see a change in the employment opportunities for people in this, with disabilities in this country. That's right. Change is coming, and we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. So today it must be, it has to be, from Commissioner Christine Griffin when she says, remember, Awareness is not employment. Don't forget that. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, live from CSC. I'm on Voice America, where disability matters every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See you next week with Kathy Martinez. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 